Welcome to the podcast for Centerpoint Church. Located in the heart of Concord, New Hampshire, Centerpoint is all about living and sharing a life-changing relationship with Jesus. The message today is a part of that journey, and we are glad to have you join us. It's a happy little tune, isn't it? Kind of get you, some of you started tapping your toes, you're like, can we do that in church? I'm not sure. You can tap your toes in church, it's totally cool, right? Especially when there's a happy little tune. Again, I'm Matt, and uh, I'm eager that we get to spend some time here hanging out together. I do want to offer a, a quick uh, reminder. Uh, one, again, with Family Promise, uh, Sherry's in the comments, so stop and talk with her if you've got any questions about what that looks like. Uh, and also, some of you have already registered, but some of you may not have registered yet, but maybe you're newer and you want to kind of learn a little bit more about us as a church. Joe is hosting Base Camp uh, today. Follow the signs from the commons. It will take you where you need to go, and uh, that will be taking place at 1045 today. So even if you didn't register, you can still do it. All right, so hang out with Joe a little bit and some others and get to know what God is doing here and jump in and be a part of it. All right, so I wanted to remind you about a couple of those things. Keep that on your radar. Oh, we are talking about generosity. Generosity. What comes to your mind when you're thinking about generosity? Um, there might be uh, people, specific people in your, that come to your mind. You're like, oh, this person's just really generous. Generous. Um, maybe you think of um, different situations you've been in where you've been the recipient of somebody else's uh, generosity. When it comes to generosity, it, it, it doesn't live as an idea or as a philosophy. Like when we say the word generosity, like it, it's a thing, but without action without it living without it breathing it's not actually generosity so generosity by its nature doesn't allow itself doesn't allow us to make it just live on in our mind somewhere as a as a happy little theory it it requires something and and as we're looking at at generosity our anchor point is is understanding god's generosity Because generosity doesn't come first and foremost from within us. First and foremost, generosity is anchored in the nature and the character of God. God is a generous God. And we see his generosity expressed throughout scriptures. From the very beginning, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And as he created the heavens and the earth, he filled them. Uh, It's talked about the, the oceans is teeming with fish in the sea. And the land was filled with vegetation and animals, right? It's this language, even in the beginning, as God created heaven and the earth. And then we see throughout the narrative of Scripture, there are these moments of incredible need that God so beautifully steps into. Not the least of which was our need for reconciliation to him. Because our rebellion and our sin created this gap, this distance, that we cannot bridge ourselves. We cannot bring about reconciliation in ourselves. And so God in Christ expressed his love, his power, like the fullness of who he is, gave of himself. Even one of the most popular scripture verses, right? John three sixteen, For God loved the world in this way. He gave. He gave. And he gave the fullness of himself that we might be forgiven and reconciled to him. So this is the nature and the character of who God is. And so most of us in this room, maybe not all, like I even love the fact like if you're here and you're not sure, maybe you're watching online and you're not sure, that, that's great. Like you 
belong with us, explore, kick the tires, decide what Jesus is going to be for you. But for most of us who are sitting here, most of us even being online, we have come to the place where we have experienced the generosity of God expressed through Jesus. And so we are recipients of generosity. Even if we have so much lack in our lives, we have been given his grace, his mercy. He has shown us his beautiful, powerful, loving generosity. And that's the beginning point of understanding our generosity. And so it doesn't just reside from him within us. It flows through us. His generosity is expressed through us into the world around us. So again, generosity isn't just a neat little thought, a happy little ditty in our brain. Generosity, by its nature, is action. And so we want to explore that today. And to do that, we're going to look at uh, Luke chapter 10. You can begin to turn there with me if you want to Luke chapter 10. And we're asking ourselves the question, what does generosity look like in the face of great need? What does generosity look like in the face of the needs of another? We live our lives so very aware of our own needs, our gaps, our lack. But what does generosity look like in the face of that with someone else? And so uh, before we read our scripture, I want to pray for us. So let's just pause for a moment. Father, by the power of your spirit, would you awaken us today? Awaken us to your beauty, to your goodness, to your love, to your power. Awaken us to your generosity. For you are a generous, generous God. And out of your fullness out of your richness, you have given us life through your son Jesus. It's astounding. And you are also bringing life to others as we live in a way that points to you and your son. And generosity is one of the ways that that happens. And so awaken us today. Father, by the power of your spirit, open our eyes to see, to see the scripture that we look at, to see the people around us cultivate on us, uh, help us to see with an imagination for what generosity looks like in our own lives, both how we have received it and how we offer it. God, I pray that by the power of your spirit, you would open our ears. Our, our ears get so stopped up and we're deaf the noise, the chaos of our world, it's just like white noise and we miss your voice and so help us to hear your voice through your spirit making scripture come alive to us. And then God, I pray that you would do a work in our hearts, that our hearts would uh, be made soft. God, again, we pray that you would make our hearts like good, fertile soil to receive the seed of your word grow roots that are deep like a tree planted by living water, streams of living water, and that those roots would bear up in us fruit, the fruit of your spirit alive in us, 
for our good and for your glory. Do that work in us today and help us to see it. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Now it's a story that you're probably familiar with. A lot of people are familiar with it. Even if you haven't um, engaged in, in church and heard many sermons or anything, there's probably even something that's going to ring a bell about this, uh, this story that we're going to talk about today. Uh, you might not even realize, as you've heard it, that it comes from the Bible and the teachings of Jesus, but it absolutely does. And so we're going to look at the teaching of Jesus in uh, Luke chapter 10, beginning at verse 25. Luke chapter 10 beginning at verse 25. And what I want to do is I want to read it out loud here, and then I'd love to hear from you. Um, and I'm going to ask you, what did you notice? What, what stands out to you? What did you notice? All right, so we get to do a little bit of interaction here. But let's read it first. Uh, Luke 10, beginning at verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, what's written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? And he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, and so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Now in reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. And they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too uh, a Levite, when he came by that place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Now, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Hmm. There's probably some things that stood out to you. Um, if you'd love to share, like, like to share those, I'd, I'd love to hear. What, what did you notice? Uh, what... What stood out to you? Anybody got anything? Um, I'm going to go Tim, and then I'll come back, David. So he asked a question, and Jesus wants to know what he knew. So he asked him, well, what did it say? Yeah. Yeah, so Jesus kind of, he, he asked the question back, right? So the, the teacher of the law kind of asked this question. Jesus turned the question back around, right? So, he, so like, Jesus knows the heart. It, it's remarkable. So Jesus, like, have you ever had people that, like, they come, and they're asking you a question or maybe they're giving you a quiz. Like that's some of the language we've adopted in my, in my family. Um, you know, hey kids, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, is this a question or is this a quiz? Like you know the difference, right? If it's a question, it's like, hey, I'm kind of curious. What's going on here? If it's a quiz, it's, I know the right answer. Do you? 
right? So there's a difference. And we do that with each other. And so here Jesus is kind of turning that back around because he's getting at the heart. Jesus always had this beautiful way of getting at the heart and revealing what was true uh, about the heart. And here he's doing this uh, with this expert of the law. Great, Tim. I love that you pointed that out. David, what did you see? Yeah, yeah, I love that you saw that. So the, the religious, David's pointing out here that um, uh, of the three, three different people who encountered the man who had been robbed and beaten, the first two were religious leaders. Uh, they were high religious respectability. And what did they do? Like here's, the, they walked over to the other side, didn't they? Like it, Jesus made it clear they saw him, but they went around him. But it was a Samaritan, it was a Samaritan who didn't have very good religious credentials. As a in fact, a Samaritan was sort of like a half-breed when it came to the Jewish community. They, they weren't really Jewish, they weren't really Syrian, they were this, this mixture of those. And so from a Jewish standpoint, they would have looked down on Samaritans. Ugh, like you're... Like, you're lukewarm, you're not really God's people. Even if they worship Yahweh, they, they weren't welcomed into this. And so as Jesus was telling the story, he used that on purpose. It wasn't just happenstance that he said a Samaritan was walking by. You might remember another time that Jesus engaged a Samaritan. Can you think of it? It was a woman at the well, right? And so Jesus was passing through there. And so he's had some of these interesting engagements. And so one of the things that's happening, and, and this is what happens when Jesus tells these parables, when Jesus tells these stories, he's, he's doing it on purpose because not only is the information doing something, but the hearer's reactions are doing something. And so what would have happened is they would have been listening to this story, because of course other people were listening in. It wasn't just about the teacher of the law in this moment. And they would have heard Jesus say, now a Samaritan was walking by. And what they would have, they would have like, <laughs> you ever like huff out your nose without like blowing bogeys or anything, but like, <laughs> like oh, right? It's just kind of this, oh, Samaritan. Like that would have been there, like a Samaritan goes by, like, oh, why is he even in the picture? And then the Samaritan becomes almost the hero of the story. Are you kidding me? What? Are you telling me these faithful brothers in Jewish faith, they're the ones that you're chastising Jesus, but this one, this half-breed is the hero of the story? You've got to be kidding me, right? So it, it's, our, it's the reaction to the story. Now, you and I don't carry some of those same things. When we listen to the story, like, oh, you know, a Levite, an expert in the law, and a Samaritan, well, that's nice. That's why I want to make sure we bring us, and David did a great job drawing that out for us. Um, I want to make sure we understand those pieces. Like, it was, a, to be a Samaritan was to be an outcast. And yet he's the one, Jesus says, was the neighbor, right? Huh. It messes with our perceptions. And we have perceptions too, like we might not care about Samaritan. Like, you probably don't wake up in the morning and go, oh, Lord, get those Samaritans. But there might be other people in your life. Or in our world, you're like, oh, get them, God. They're the bad people. They're the bad ones. Get them. Like, those are the people that Jesus would insert in your story, right? So I love that you drew that out, David. Thanks. Um, what else? One or two? What do you notice? Yeah, what do you got to listen? I like the way uh, Jesus uses stories oh, yeah. to tell and teach because it makes it seem like we like stories. 
Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. 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 Thanks for drawing that out, Liz. Liz is just talking about how it feels just so important to her and, and she's drawn to how Jesus uses stories. Like he, he tells stories as he teaches, not just a bunch of information dissemination. There's a lot that's going on in the story, right? That's why we pay attention to these things. But he uses story to draw things out and to teach and to draw people in um, or to show people how far away they are, right? Sometimes that's what his stories do too. Yeah, thanks, Liz. Uh, yeah, right over here. Oh, I love that. I love that. Nina's talking about how the Samaritan's generosity kind of in, in included and enveloped the innkeeper uh, because what he didn't assume the innkeeper was going to express generosity. Like he, he didn't put assumptions on the innkeeper. Am I hearing that right? Yeah. And in doing so, he's bringing that generosity and kind of folding that around the innkeeper too as, as the Samaritan says, hey, he, like put him up for the night. Here's some, some money. And anything else, I'll, I'll make good on it the next time you see me. Yeah, I love that you made that observation. That's beautiful. I'm going to come back to you in a second, Marcus. What do you got, Tammy? The, sorry, the religious leaders are really good role models of like, what it means to actually truly follow God. Ugh. Yeah. That, like, sometimes when we read scripture uh, or something like this, it kind of goes, woof, ugh. This is one of those woof moments, right? So Tammy is talking about how the religious leaders were not the model of what Jesus was talking about. Jesus had just talked about with this guy, and this guy said, love the Lord your God with everything you got. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus is like, yeah, exactly. Do that, and you're going to live. And then comes back to, well, who's my neighbor, right? So he's still kind of picking at Jesus. And then Jesus tells the story to show who the neighbor is. And it's not the religious leaders who are the models and are the example. Yeah. Yeah, they were the ones who were supposed to be the example of what it was to live in righteousness. Uh, but they didn't, in their selfishness. They didn't. Yeah, thanks. Marcus? Yeah, I was going to say piggybacking off of that. Actually, was, <clears throat> well, that was my first one, but then I was like, oh, she took it. But <laughs> No, just joking. So one of the things that I think of with, with this story is that ha- this is kind of um, also giving a grand picture of how Jesus draws everyone in because, I mean, we talk about Samaritans and how they would be looked down on, but even some ancient or some scholars believe that it was even worse than that, that they would actually like not even just look down on them, but that, like they were kind of trash to the, to the Jewish people at yeah. the time. And so Jesus saying these things is basically what I like to look at it as like, um, like how he talks about grafting us in. He grabs yeah. all people, so Jew and Gentile, right? So Paul says Jew and Gentile. So when he's talking about how Samaritan is basically the hero of the story, I think of how he, he brings us all in under one banner, and that's the one banner of Jesus He's Christ. doing that, isn't he? He's yeah. folding it in because Jesus was always about breaking through that wall of separation because he was for all nations, for all people. Yeah, I love that you saw that. Thank you. Um, Asher, I, th- I thought I saw something you had. I want to hear from you because you always got great stuff. What do you got before me, buddy? Yeah. That's a big deal, isn't it? That is a big deal. Asher was looking at those last couple of verses here, and it just really stood out to him how Jesus was drawing a bow on this whole thing, and um, 
and, and said, you know, who was the neighbor? Well, the one who showed mercy. And then he capped it off with, go and do likewise. That's a big deal, isn't it, Asher? Right? Because following Jesus isn't just about our ideas. It's not just our thoughts. It's about what we do with them, isn't it? Right? And, and we're all learning. We're all growing in this. Some, some are right at the beginning on this journey and, and, and don't know a lot, but we're learning and growing. Others of us have been walking with Jesus for decades, and we're still learning and growing. And that's part of what it means to be us, is we're a community that's learning together, that's growing together. And what does it look like to walk with, to walk in obedience to Jesus? And so to hear his words, go and do likewise. Those words echo, echo, echo through the centuries, right? Because it wasn't just to that expert of the law. Luke makes sure when he writes this down, inspired by the Holy Spirit, when he records this and becomes embedded in scripture for us, it echoes through the centuries. And so that phrase, go and do likewise, is for you and me also if we have been recipients of his grace of his mercy of his generosity and rescue then we are bearers of his generosity bearers of his mercy into the lives of others this go and do likewise This was all good. Thank you all for engaging uh, with this. It's something to see these things percolate up, isn't it? And there's even going to be other observations you have as we go on and and talk a little bit more here. Let the Holy Spirit prompt you and stir you and draw you into his teaching here as we talk about it. And so we continue to ask the question and holding out uh, through Jesus' teaching here, what does generosity look like in the face of the needs of others? Because sometimes what can happen, what can happen is when we get our need met, we kind of go, whew, right? We're so thankful. We're so grateful. And then we truck on down the road and we forget that God is meeting the needs of others through his people. And so again, it, it echoes back to us, go and do likewise. And so let's, let's explore together, let's look together at, at what does generosity look like when faced with need. One of the first things that we see here is that uh, generosity notices the need. Notices the need. Now, we're told that these first two guys saw, but they moved away from. So did they really notice See, noticing isn't just about the data, it's about what's stirring here. Did you hear that difference? It wasn't said about the first guy, wasn't said about the second guy. But when the Samaritan comes along, says he saw him, and then what? He had pity on him. And now, now pity is a word sometimes we'll get a little bit hung up with, and some, sometimes we're like, pity is more like, oh, that's too bad. Bummer, please stay there. Right? That's like, like pity, pity isn't a very strong word for us. But that word that's here, it, it's this elicits this compassion. Like there's something stirring in him. It wasn't a pity. Because when we exercise pity, like the way I was just describing, where a lot of us do pity, it's we're actually dehumanizing the other. We're, we're like, oh, I have pity. Like, uh, like, like, like you're less than. And that's what pity becomes. But that's not what this guy does. In in his noticing, he 
sees, and that's an important piece, but he's also moved. Something is happening to him. He's stirred with pity, with compassion. You know, there was a moment when Jesus was riding into Jerusalem and he looks at the city of Jerusalem and it says he had pity on the people. He had, he had compassion on the city and he wept. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, if only you knew what would bring you peace. But you do not, right? Jesus was moved. So here's the Samaritan that saw, but it's not just about the data, right? Going through, guy inside of the road, beaten, maybe dead, bloody, but he was moved with compassion. Ooh. Right? And so the first part of, of living in generosity, generosity notices the need. Generosity notices the need. And does so animated by love, compassion. Does so animated by love and compassion. So the first two guys, maybe if they say, hey, what's the need? This guy needs a better route. Guy needs to take a different road. Guy needs a bigger club. Defend himself. Guy needs some friends, so he's now walking down the road together. They might have had all kinds of things about what this guy needed to not end up in this spot, but is that really animating love? No. No. So the Samaritan saw him and was moved. Generosity notices the need. Generosity is also action. Generosity is action. Again, I was talking about this earlier, and as we explore generosity, it can't just live in our minds. It's, it's got action to it. Generosity has hands. Generosity has feet. Generosity has a mouth. Right? Generosity has action. Notice that the Samaritan was the only one who crossed the street to get to the man. Guy number one, walked by, saw, kept on moving the other side of the street. Guy number two, saw, kept on moving, stayed on his side of the street. The Samaritan sees, is moved, and he crosses the street to be with. See, generosity crosses the street to be with. That's this action that's so crucial, that's so, so, so vital. And in moving across the street, he entered into the need. Need at arm's length. Need at arm's length. See, moved, crossed the street. The Samaritan put himself in the proximity of that need. He moved into the need. He didn't like overdo it here. He didn't become codependent on the guy there, right? That's not what's happening here. But he's like, you have need. I, I've got to do something here, right? He moves across the street and he moves towards. Then he cares for the wounds. Put him on his donkey brought him to rest and recovery, gave him, gave the innkeeper money. Didn't give the money to the man, right? The man needed care for, bandaging, needed to get somewhere safe. But he used his own money to accomplish the mission. See, 
And, and this isn't all highlight. We're just told what they did. We're not told what motivated them. And, and that's, again, part of the brilliance of Jesus' storytelling. It draws us in. It makes us go, I wonder. I wonder. I, I wonder why the first couple of guys stayed on their side of the street. I wonder why they didn't cross the street to enter into the beaten man's need. It makes me wonder if they were preserving something, if they were, they were keeping something, holding on to something. I wonder what they were preserving. Well, knowing that they were religious leaders, we, we might maybe suppose, don't want to make assumptions, don't want to do that. We, we could suppose that they had, um, like to, to be with a bloodied body, maybe he would even die in their presence if he wasn't already dead. That would, that would make them religiously unclean. They, they couldn't fulfill what they were supposed to do as good religious people if they were touching a bloodied body. So maybe they were preserving their, their status, preserving their sense of rightness, preserving their re- religion and, and the parameters of their religion. We're not really sure. Maybe they didn't want to uh, give up the money. Maybe they were preserving that. You know, you and I will do this too. We, we see needs and we make choices. Will we stay on our side of the road or will we cross the road and find ourselves in the presence of the need? To, to be with the need. All right? I think we got those choices. And, and so then sometimes I wonder, what do we... What are we preserving? What, what am I preserving when I just don't cross the street? Uh, what, are you, what are you preserving when you don't cross the street? It can be different things. For some of us, we're preserving our schedule. Like if I hit my marks this week, if I hit my marks today and I get to all the places, then, then I'm on top of it, right? And so I'm preserving my schedule. Can't, can't stop. For some, it's like, I'm not sure I have enough money. Like, I'm making ends meet, but I don't have enough to cover a need. So we withhold. Right, that's what staying on this side of the road really is about. It's about this withholding, preserving, keeping, holding. What is that? Reputation. What if somebody came by, saw me with the need, and thought I was the one who had the need? Oh, okay, no, 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 no. Let me explain it. I don't actually have the need. I'm helping this guy. He's got the need. I'm all good, right? So, so maybe we're holding on to reputation. What if somebody sees me with? What, what, if, what if somebody sees me with this person? Like, we don't know what this person's nationality was. We don't know that they're Jewish. We get a sense that they're Jewish. But we're not told. Jesus is a brilliant storyteller, right? Because it leaves us with some questions, and the questions do the work. So... What if the person that we're helping isn't somebody we'd normally hang out with? What if, what if the person who has the need is the very person that we pray about when we say, God, thank you that I'm not like them? Because sometimes, even as Christians, we can pray those kinds of prayers. God, thank you I'm not like that. Thank you that I'm not like them. Thank you that I'm not in that group. Thank you. That that's not me, God. So sometimes we withhold out of fear of our reputation because that person who has need is the very one we're praying and giving God thanks that we're not with. And now we have to identify with them. Their blood gets on my hands. 
their need costs my money? Right? Can you begin to see how it, it, it does something? And, and the challenge for us is to explore and to ask the question and to wonder about what is it that makes me cross on the other side of the street? Because at the very same time that the people we might have been looking at the Samaritan and going, oh, I can't believe a Samaritan is doing this. Sometimes what we do, because we don't have those same cultural things, is we look at the first and go, oh, I can't believe they walked on the other side of the street. And it's, it's revealing something in our hearts. There are times where I walk on the other side of the street. There are times that you walk on the other side of the street. Sometimes it's just because I'm uncomfortable. I approach the intersection, you've been there, pulling out of Home Depot or you know, Market Basket or something, there they are. It actually sometimes makes me a little bit uncomfortable to make eye contact. Like I don't have, like who does cash anymore? I, I, like, I barely do that. So there's those pieces, but sometimes I just hide behind that. Um, you know, I love what Heidi, my wife does. She keeps ramen in the car. So that you always got something to hand. I haven't, I'm not that smart yet. And, you know, because ramen's expensive. So whatever it, whatever it is that I'm, I'm wrestling with. But sometimes it's just, like, there can be a gift. Like sometimes walking across the street just says, I'm looking at you in the eye because that's what humans do. And you're human, you're not less than. But sometimes I feel uncomfortable about that, right? So sometimes I walk across the other side of the street. Sometimes you walk across the other side of the street. What are those things? That's what Jesus is getting at. That's what Jesus is pulling. That's the thread he's pulling on as he tells this story, what is it that keeps us on the other side of the street? Generosity is action. Generosity is tangible. The Samaritan offered what he had. And I love how you brought this out, Nina. He didn't offer what wasn't his to offer. Maybe he even knew the innkeeper. Like, this is a generous innkeeper. Like, he does this kind of stuff. I'm just going to drop you off here. He didn't assume anything about that. I love that you saw that. I don't think I've ever seen it that clearly before. That was really cool. So he offered what was his to offer. It's tangible. Like, generosity is tangible. If it ends with good wishes, it's not really the expression of generosity. And different situations are going to call for different things. Sometimes the tangibility is uh, money. Sometimes what's tangible is the eye contact and the, hey, tell me your name. Everybody's got a name. Tell me yours. I'm Matt. Like that's tangible. Sometimes the simply being with, helping somebody up, dusting the stuff off, putting some bandages on, and we walk on together is the tangible. Right? Tangible can look in a lot of different ways. And so he offered what he had. We knew that was his heart when he walked across the street, but here he is cashing that check. Gave him his ride. It wasn't like, I'm going to hike up here on the donkey. You just kind of do your best to keep up behind me. Um, didn't say, I'll give you some roller skates and I'll pull you. Just hang on to the tail. He said, no, you take my ride. But it's got leather seats. I know, that's a good donkey. It's got leather seats. It's got upholstery, but we'll take good care of things. Right? One of the things that just stands out to me is so often I just hold on to stuff. And this is precisely what Jesus is getting at. Because that's a heart thing. Generosity resides within and expresses itself tangibly. Part of this too is um, embracing our limits. 
Who here loves limits, right? You don't actually have to raise your hand. You can if you want. But, but like, I, I do not like my limits. I don't like to have limits. I don't like limits on my time. I don't like limits on my money. I don't like limits on my energy. I don't like limits. Most people don't like limits. But helping somebody else in the expression of generosity in tangible ways is an invitation to embrace our own limits. I've got this, but I don't have that. And so sometimes what we do is, because I don't have this, I don't give this. So it's, a, it's actually a reaction against my own limits. And so part of embracing our own limits is receiving God's incredible generosity because he breaks the boundaries and he has no limits. His grace knows no bounds. It searches the highest hills and the deepest valleys for one lost sheep. That's his grace. That's his beauty. That's his love, right? Doesn't know our same limits. So we receive out of his abundance. But I have limits. You have limits. And our limits can look different. Right, And so we don't let our limits hinder us from giving what we do have, but we offer out of what we have. Have you received forgiveness? Then you can offer forgiveness. Have you received mercy? Then you can offer mercy. Have you received material things? Then you've got some material things. Have you been given time? Then you have time. What is it that God has given you? You're probably noticing a little bit of a trend here. It all comes back to God. Right? Generosity always comes back to him. He is the source of generosity. And we are recipients of his generosity, not simply so that we can be thankful, though we should be, not simply so that we can receive from his abundancy, abundance and live in flourishing, though we, though we do and can, but it's that we might be ambassadors of generosity to those around us, that God would express his generosity, not just in us, but through us. This is what that looks like. For you and I are the ones in need of rescue. Amen. We hold on, we put barriers, we um, try to hide our limits, and we forget that you and I are the ones who are in need of rescue. Yeah. Jesus came to rescue us from our deepest need, our sin and our isolation from him. Our stubbornness, our selfishness, our anger and unforgiveness is sin. Whatever it has looked like, we have rebelled against God. We have rejected his law and we have steered away from his love. And that sin holds us fast and it creates isolation from him. And God is the only one who could do anything about it. So out of his great love, here's what God did. He gave his son that whoever believes in him should have life everlasting. It is his grace, it is his beauty, it is his love that has rescued us. And these are all the things that we've experienced from Jesus. God saw your need, my need. We try to hide it from him, don't we? Gonna hide behind this bush over here? Gonna hide behind my little song and dance. Look what I got going on, God. I got all this going on. Nothing escapes his attention. He sees my need. He sees your need perfectly. Nothing escapes his attention. He notices. And just, right, we see with Jesus, oh, he was moved with compassion. God is moved by compassion when he sees your need. 
because he loves you. That's who he is. God moves towards those needs. Jesus crossed the street. That's what Philippians 2 tells us. That God himself stepped off the throne of heaven and took on skin, became a man. Not just any man, a servant. Not just any servant. One who would become subservient to death. But not just any death. Death on a humiliating cross. That's who he is. God in Christ crossed the street to rescue you and me. And he met our need by his love, power, and grace. Through his death, the shedding of his blood, our sin is forgiven. And new life comes entering in. This is what generosity looks like, folks. And we are his recipients. I love this quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was a German pastor during World War II, and he actually was a part of a, um, an act of revolution against Hitler. Uh, was a part of an assassination plot that landed him uh, in prison. And while there he was reflecting, and he's written some beautiful things. And listen to these words. He, God, Jesus, he comes in the form of the beggar, of the dissolute human child in ragged clothes asking for help. He confronts you in every person that you meet. As long as there are people, Christ will walk the earth as your neighbor. Would you like to meet Jesus? Look to your neighbor. For you are no more like him than when you cross the street and lean into the needs of the other. Let me pray for us. Jesus, move in us, we pray. Empower us by your spirit that we might see you in our neighbor and become like you as we cross the street and minister to them. For we are people of great need. And you, through your spirit and frankly, through your people, we are here because you have expressed your love and generosity through Christ, yes. But through the prompting of your spirit in the lives of others who drew us into Christ. And you have used others to meet very tangible needs in our lives. For we have been broken. We have been beaten. We have been robbed. And you through your son Jesus, are the one who crossed the street and rescued and are continuing to rescue us, even in this day. So stir in us by the power of your spirit that we might receive your grace and rescue and then live that generosity out in the lives of our neighbors. We pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. This is something that challenges us individually. It's also something that, that is a challenge for us corporately. Like we, we listen to these things through the, the, the ears that say, what does this mean for me? What does this look like for me? But also, what does this look like for us? And one of the things that, that honestly is true, I hope you've actually even been able to receive some encouragement in this. Um, there are so many ways that generosity uh, is a beautiful part of who we are as a body 
who you are as individuals. It's the conversation. Ross with a woman sitting on the side of the street and you learn her name and you talk about what's going on and you learn about her loneliness and her need. And you're there to drop your kids off. You got stuff to get on to. But you, you cross the street to be present with her. I love how you shared that with me. That's a beautiful picture. I've seen that with you. So many of you in your work, in your kindness, you are giving that generosity. As a body, this is why City Hope is so important for us. Not because we outsource generosity through City Hope, but because it actually empowers us to be present as the body of Christ to the needs of our neighbors all around us. And so that's why City Hope is such an important part of our expression of that generosity and compassion and love in our community. Uh, uh, Family promise. Talked about that earlier. This is what this looks like. It's when you see somebody that you don't know and you cross the street and you move towards them, right? Generosity looks all these different ways, but it always has feet. It always has hands. It always has mouth because it moves. It does the work of crossing the street. And why do we do this? Because God has first done this for us. Stand with me. If you are here and you have never tasted the generosity of Jesus Christ, and you are carrying the weight and the burden of your own sin and rebellion, but you're dying for freedom, that freedom can be yours today. Got some folks who are going to be right up here, our prayer team. They would love nothing more than to talk with you how you can receive the abundant grace of God through Jesus and walk in that freedom today. If there's any other reason that we can pray for you, we want to do that too. Prayer is an act of generosity, right? We pray together and we walk together in prayer. And so uh, we got a team up here who does that uh, as well as those that you know. May you walk in his love. May you walk in his peace. May you walk in his abundance as you walk in his generosity and then express that and live in it to your neighbor. Thanks for being here. Have a great week. Take a little bit to stop and reflect on what God might be saying to you and how you'll respond to him today. Wherever you are on your journey of faith, we are here to serve you. Find us at centerpointnh.org and join us on the journey of living and sharing a life-changing relationship with Jesus.